Parker, how you doing? Oh, just dandy, you know, man. Oh, just dandy, you know. I'm really happy for you. Oh, yeah. Don't know what bad accent that was, but I apologize know, if uh, if anyone's offended by that. Culture appropriation. Um, exactly. Wow, really hot start to the podcast <laughs> right now. Um, Parker, growing up, yeah. who was your favorite superhero? Uh, uh, Spider-Man. Sp- why Spider-Man? He's... Uh, I you know I read his comics. I watched the cartoon. I, I like that he was. Uh, and who knows? Maybe I'm wrong with, about this, but I'm ninety percent sure he was. Um, Stanley, right? He's yeah. the guy. Stanley's first superhero. Oh, I'm um, sure. that's cool. Yeah. So that, and he's just. I think he's underrated. He's. Mm. Um, you know, he has super strength. He. I mean, I don't need to go down the list of his superpowers, but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and I liked him as a character too. Um, uh, yeah, and I liked his progression over him starting out in high school and then being an adult, and you know all the different. There's 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 some good storylines in there. Gotcha. Yeah. How about you? Ooh. Oh wait, actually, really quick. Who? Which was your favorite live action? Of the Spider-Mans? Yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, why am I forgetting the name of the last one? What's his name again? Tom Holland. Yeah, Tom Holland. I had the last name. Tom Holland, I would say, for me. Uh, mostly because I would say I'm totally spacing on uh, actor names now. Tobey uh, Maguire. Yep, Tobey Maguire. Andrew Garfield. He was an excellent Peter Parker. Not a good Spider-Man. Oh, interesting. He's excellent at the... The nerdy, dweeby Peter Parker, but in the comics, Spider-Man has like he's hilarious. Like yeah. he, like he, he roasts his, he he makes wisecracks and he roasts his, you know, like like the part in uh, where Tom Holland like he's facing off the Winter Soldier in the in the airport scene. Yeah, yeah, and he's like. Dude, you have a metal arm. Yeah, and like that is so much more in character of what Spider-Man is. Uh, Andrew Andrew Garfield. Yeah, he played an excellent Spider-Man, not a good Peter Parker. Gotcha. Peter Parker's not a you know, he's not a catch. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's not. It's been a long time since I watched those. I like those Spider-Mans. Don't get me wrong. They just, I just didn't think they got it. And then, uh. Then the Tom Holland ones came along and it was like, dude, you nailed it. Yeah. You nailed it. Yeah. Both I, sides. I, I'm just, I really like the Tobey Maguire movies. Yeah. I wish, I mean like. Go Web, go. And I'll, I'll, we can wrap this part quick. But like, Fly. I just wish that Sam Raimi had gotten to make his fourth one. Because I don't know if you ever have heard this. It was supposed, from what I've read before, it was supposed uh-huh. to be four Spider-Men for the first toby Maguire series okay but then i believe it was toby Maguire said i only want to do three like he wanted to be done with kind of the collection yeah. at that point well so they had already the plans for like sandman and for the new goblin and for venom and all of that but venom i believe was supposed to be the fourth movie like it was going to be that he was introduced but then, like, it came to be in the fourth movie. That was the whole arc and everything. Uh-huh. So then they jammed everything together. Because when you watch the first one and the second one, 
I think they're really great pacing, great movies. I think so too. Doctor Octopus is just the second one's the best one in my opinion. Really good. William Dafoe, I think, is awesome. I think that just the first one has like a couple CGI things that are a little like yeah, could have been brought up to speed. Time. The skeletons when they like when he throws the you might not remember this he like throws one of his bombs it turns into skeletons and then it's just like that's very CGI. I probably could do that, not really, but um, <laughs> but then the third one just like was a whole mashup that was a bummer. I still just yeah. think that Toby Maguire though just gave us some amazing memes and that's really yeah, important the whole dancing <laughs> exactly scene where he like goes emo yeah that whole part is really there's yeah. uh some youtube shorts i've seen that have been like when uh because what do they call him bully mcguire when he has the oh, yeah. venom symbiote suit on yeah and it's like they insert cut scenes of him talking into other movies so it's like when bully mcguire shows up in this and it's just really funny um but I actually would say for myself, the spoops, this is where it's not that interesting. Spider-Man's probably also my favorite superhero from growing up and stuff. Um, even to this point, I really like Spider-Man. I like a lot of the anti-heroes a lot though. So like, I like most characters cause they're villains. Yeah. So like, I really like the green goblin. I really like venom. Uh, I really like, honestly, I'd be interested to see. I did like the fantastic four movies growing up. Those first two, I actually did like them. And it was because I was a kid and I liked them at the time. Yeah. I would have been very interested to have seen a third of the original Fantastic Four to see if like they'd actually had the Silver Surfer lead, who is it, Galactus, to actually show up. I would have loved to have seen like in mid-2000s how they would have like animated that even and uh-huh. gone about it. But, but then we wouldn't have Captain America as we do today. Ah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Maybe. You forget he's the same actor. Maybe it would have been even better. Never know. Probably not. Um, well, the reason why we're talking about this, everybody, is because superheroes are people that we choose to like, people that we choose to maybe even look up to a little bit. And today we are talking about not superheroes and things of that nature. We are actually going to be talking about people that we choose to follow and all of those kind of things. But Pastors can tie everything up, guys. Exactly. And so first, we just want to say hello, everybody. Welcome to Conviction. We feel a conviction to discuss questions and topics surrounding church, culture, ministry, and just general life as a Jesus follower. My name is Caleb. My name is Parker. And today, our co- topic, our conversation is kicking off with the question, why do we choose to follow who we follow? Or maybe we could even word it, what makes somebody qualified to to be followed by others, that sort of a thing. Parker, do you got any initial thoughts? Do you want me to run with it? What do you got? First of all, I just want to say this is reminding me of like those moments when you're watching TV and watching a football game and the commercial comes on and you're like, you have no clue what the the commercial's about. And it's just some storyline or whatever. And by the end, you're like, this is a car commercial? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that intro was like. Uh, okay. People we follow, um, opening thoughts. How are we wording it again? Why do we follow the people we follow? Yeah. Is that how we're like wording what, it? Yeah. Or what makes them qualified to be somebody to be followed? Okay. All right. Uh, we could take it the pastoral route. We could take it like the influencer yeah. coach, whatever route. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, uh, I'd say uh, let's go pastoral route first thing. And we've kind of t- touched on this type of thing in other podcasts. Um, but pastorally, like first off, I think it's ethos. I think that's the right word in terms of credibility. Um, not sure. Not sure. Uh, 
but they have to establish their not credibility in terms of i don't really necessarily care whether or not they have a degree per se you know uh obviously like certain denominations have their requirements when it comes to that so there's that to consider but in terms of like your and maybe you have a different opinion on this but in terms of your capability to follow the calling of to be a pastor you don't necessarily need that Mm. um that being said you do have to show like you're qualified in some way shape or form to teach the bible and that means you have to have a really good knowledge of the bible yeah and show that you have the credibility of that you know what you're talking about and you can call bs when there's bs and you know and speak truth you know, um, also big one for me is, you know, leading, um, uh, by example and not, you know, teaching something that you don't practice. Yeah. Frankly. Practice what you preach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so those are two big ones for me. Um, you know, and, and a lot of that also goes into, uh, you know, people I follow, um, outside of the Christian world, even like some of my favorite bosses, yeah, you know, and ones I would do anything for were the ones that would, you know, be down in the trenches with me, scanning through every single piece of clothing in the store, yeah, scanning for clearance, TJ Maxx, TJX companies, let's go. Um, no, but uh, the ones that, you know, they weren't necessarily I, I don't know servant leader sounds kind of cliche but necess- not necessarily that but somebody who like they weren't above it right yeah exactly they weren't like you know in their office and you know telling people what to do and like the, they'd actually be willing to put the work in too yeah should the time call I, I don't know you have any opening thoughts yeah you know I think I mean with that I always just say especially within the pastoral sense, if you're not willing to help put out chairs, right. Then you're probably in a bad spot. Right. And like, sure there's stuff you could do better, but if you're not willing to like say like, Hey, I'm going to go help set up for this a little bit or things like that. Um, I just think it's a little bit of a, a check for you to kind of look at and wonder why you're not. Um, cause again, we're not in the business world. We're not having to be business minded. It's really good not to be um, because if you just look and say, well, my time's too valuable. It's like, well, again, if you have something better to do, genuinely better to do, then do that. Do right. what's most beneficial. Right. But if you can be helpful and serve and lead and help your heart be humbled, then that is really valuable. Uh, dude, I would say the biggest one for me on top of those things would be like character. Um, if somebody does not have a good character, but they have good talent, then I just think that's pretty dangerous. Um you know, there's a lot of people that will talk about the reality that for some folks, their talent will outpace their character. And so they end up in positions and lead in ways that they were not yet prepared for. That doesn't mean that it's the same for everybody. Doesn't mean that for some people they, you know, let's take pastoring, for example, you know, maybe there are some people who can be lead pastors in their twenties or something like that. That's cool. Um, you know, the Lord had better be very clear in his calling for that. But there's also some people that shouldn't probably be lead pastors till they're 50. And it's just a matter really just of like, where is your character? Where is your ability 
to lead well? Where's your ability to pastor well? And also in some ways, where's your ability to handle the pressure of it? Um, not meaning pressure in terms of just like, can you take it? But it's more so like, can you make sure God is still first in the midst of it? That kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that in- integrity and character piece is huge for any pastor and is really huge for me if I'm going to follow somebody. Um, There ends up being a lot of people that I appreciate the way they speak on things, talk about things, stuff like that, but I disagree with their character. And I oftentimes find myself having to make qualifiers where it's like, Hey, I appreciate this part of how they lead or how they talk about things, but I don't necessarily appreciate these parts. Right. Yeah. Um, You know, when it comes to pastors and choosing to follow pastors, I, I think it's twofold. Um, There are, I will say, I think for every pastor, there should be a desire to actually be educated, not necessarily having to be through a degree and stuff. Yeah. But there should be a desire to be educated. There should be a desire to realize and recognize the fact that the whole host of church history and scripture, um, scripture obviously being first, even though I said it second, uh, matter. And that it matters that we are able to come in line with that. We're not having to recreate the wheel. Honestly, it's really dangerous for us to look and say, let's recreate the wheel time and time again. And so looking and saying, what does this look like? What is this? I think the easiest way to do that is by getting a degree and going through formal programs and stuff. And again, it's not so you just pay a bunch of money, but rather it is because there is now accountability that shows you actually did it. You actually took the time. You actually went and studied. You actually had to learn these things, um, at least in a basic way. There's a bunch of stuff that I still don't fully understand, even though I've gone through different programs and all of that stuff formally that like I've only been introduced to briefly and now I have to continue just to wrestle with and process through, right? So every pastor has their stuff they have to grow in, but they need to be willing to acknowledge the fact for that growth. You know, I think it is actually a red flag when somebody looks and they end up just saying, yeah, 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 but who really needs that? It's like, well... This, this matters. Like being a yeah. pastor, being a teacher, being somebody worth following in that regard, it can't just be that you look and you're sight reading all of your messages and you're just saying like, I found a verse that says to love your neighbor. Let's talk about love this week, everybody. Like that just, you might miss the point. Like, are you not seeing the ties throughout all of the scripture, stuff like that? I think for a lot of pastors, it's why they get hung up either by reading um, Old Testament prophecy, weird, because they end up reading it for themselves or reading the new testament only and honestly again reading it just for a moral lesson and not seeing like the depth of scripture and that sort of a thing so that was a long initial thought with it but i do think that that training that was a burp right there that was weird uh that that training and that amount of like desire for more does matter along with their character being high yeah no, totally. Are there, um, is there anything that you could think of that is very clear? Like, how would, how do you say that? Um, bad leadership qualities? Question mark. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I think. Well, again, so there's like twofold. So you have like just in general leadership. I mean, like a bad leadership quality would just be like, you're the best, you're the man, you're the woman, you're yeah. the person. Like that's just always weird. Like nobody, very few people and in very few fields, can you succeed at that? Sure, maybe like in sports, 
Michael Jordan could go out and just yell at everyone and be like, I'm the best. Can you please be better? Like, that's kind of a one of one thing in a one of one field that that works. Right. Um, outside of that, like, and especially within church settings and honestly, any kind of people work, man, like a bad leadership quality, again, just is where it's like, hey, I'm really important here. Can you just acknowledge that? Like, can you, can you realize right. like I'm, I'm a pastor, like that kind of a thing or to even have it where it's just like, Hey, like, you know, this isn't worth my time. I'm better than this. I need to rest. I need this. It's like, no, like we're called to serve. We're called to lead. We're called to, you know, be like Christ. What did Christ do? Christ laid his life down for everyone. Like he looked and he said, I will serve and I will lead. And so a bad leadership quality is when somebody just makes it all about them and even those who choose to follow them, then it's really that they're not following them. They're serving them. Right. Like follow me as Jesus calls his disciples and as we're called to then make disciples, like follow me should be like, come and do things as I have done. Not, all right, come make my life easier. Like I even think about if you're a pastor, I'm actually thinking about this more and more right now in this very moment, little word, little verbal processing. Uh, if you're a pastor who has somebody who steps into like leadership alongside you or somebody who asks to grow and to be able to be brought up by you or something like that, and all you do is give them tasks that you would never do because you don't want to do them anymore, you're not building them up to be like you, you're building them up to stay under you. And that just becomes an odd spot, Right. Right. And so, yeah, I would say that's a big one. Bad leadership quality. It's all about you and making yourself easier, your load, your life, all those things easier. Um, it's not really the call of a healthy leader. Do yeah. you have any? Oh, I think one, um, one thing that came to mind and it's not, it's not necessarily something that makes you a bad leader. It's more so that like, if it's not there, you're not necessarily a great one either. Gotcha. Um, I, one thing that has always stood out to me is, um, you know, you have this leader that's in charge of, let's say a large group amount of people, uh, how well they still, or how do you say this? Like it, they act and know the people in their group as well as they would if it was a smaller group. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, like, like they know every one thing that always like impressed me about Pastor Rob. He has like an amazing ability to remember names. Yeah, it's really insane. Like, I think my family came one time, like when we first started coming years and years ago, uh, and like he learned my parents' names. And then like, like we didn't come back for a while and then we came back and he still remembered their names and yeah. they'd only been there one time. And we've heard a ton of different stories like that, but like, you know, the, the, the level of interest in, you know, in the ins and outs of everybody's lives. And there's, yeah. n there's no, there's no like, Oh, my life is bigger than yours. My life is more important than yours. Yeah. Like you're, you are worth my time type of a thing. Um, I wanted to ask you, and I, I feel like this question kind of comes from this, but I feel like, well, I know this, that leadership is kind of a buzzword. Yeah. I feel like in general, in, in our culture and also more so, I feel like in, in Christian culture, do you think we're all called to lead? 
Yeah, it's a good question. Or uh, are we supposed to follow? Yeah. It, I feel like we all kind of like, the reason I say that is because like, you know, like if we're, I, like I've heard this in the church where it's like, whatever your next step is, it's probably towards some sort of leadership of some sort, whether it's, you know, learning to, you know, let's say you're in a youth group and, you know, you're trying to grow in your faith and that may be pushing to be a leader in some facet, whether it be a small group leader or, um, you know, or a leader in a certain ministry or a leader, 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 all, all, all over the place. Like, um, so like, I feel like there's sometimes this, like, like the way forward is that you're supposed to step into a leadership role. Yeah. Is that necessarily what we should be doing? Yeah. That's a good question. I, uh, I, I think that Paul is really clear when he's talking about the body of Christ and the fact that we are many parts that make one body. And when he's talking through it, you know, it's basically the idea of like the ear, you know, the ear can't say to the mouth that it doesn't need it. You know, the hand can't say to the foot that it doesn't need it. All those things. There still has to be someone that's willing to be the foot and somebody who's willing to be a mouth and someone who's then willing to be the eyes like all these different facets, right? And I think the way that we view leadership is often to get everyone to end up in that ultimate role, um, even though we don't say that, but that's what the model propels, and yeah. we know that there's a cap for everyone. Right. Like the idea of if you're faithful and you serve, like, and you follow your gifts, like you could do this, you could do this, and then if you really succeed, now we can start to promote you. You could get more, like if it was sports talk, it'd be like, we can get you some more minutes. Like, let's get you to be a starter now. You're not just a role player, right? Right. And it's a really odd way, honestly, to go about it. Um, You know, I remember at one point within even True Life, uh, there was an amount of, and I even at one point was having to figure it out in some ways, but there was an amount of pressure of like, hey, culturally in the past, we've had a lot of our life leaders uh, participate within hosting or speaking in certain ways or stuff like that. And I just personally was like looking at it and I was like, I would much rather give students those opportunities to be able to use those gifts and to grow in those things. And, uh, we then took that away from life leaders being able to do, gave it to students. Um, none of our leaders seemed upset. And if they were, they didn't tell me. Um, but like that was a shift we did. And so then it's like, well, what do you do as a life leader? Like, I I can't advance as a leader. I can't get to the stage in some ways. Nobody's ever asked this, but just in theory of the model now, there is a cap to where you can get to. Right. And it's like, so what's the greatest amount of serving you can do? Just be a part of the community. And if you're a part of the community, you'll be trusted by the kids. And if you're trusted by the kids and you are being of high character, you will have a big impact on their lives for Jesus, right? And so with that though, I also have some like youth pastor friends who I've talked with before about different things. And they're just like, uh, I've sat in a couple of meetings where we've talked about this, where they're just like, you got to give, uh, the opportunity, all of it to people who are serving, like give it to them. 
like almost even for some of them, it's like, I don't even want to preach very much. Like I want, I want students preaching. I want leaders preaching. I want other people preaching. It doesn't have to be me. And I'm just going to be like, like being super, super blunt within this podcast setting where like a handful or however many people are going to be able to even hear this comment right now. I do not want to vacate my position within the body to let another piece that maybe for some, they are gifted for it, but for somebody who maybe isn't even supposed to be in that position to speak into, if that makes sense. Yeah. And oftentimes the reason we do those moments and some people would definitely disagree with me on this. Oftentimes the reason we do it is because of leadership pipelines we think we're making. I very rarely will speak callings of ministry over to people. Um, one, I know as a pastor that if that's spoken, that carries a good amount of weight, that comes something that more people are going to wrestle with and that sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but also because it's like, Lord, I want to be very sure if I'm speaking this over somebody and then I want to help give opportunity then for that person, you know, Lord's called them to preach. Awesome. Let's create that opportunity. Let's see those opportunities unfold for them. That kind of a deal. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's silly that we've looked now and just said, leadership, 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 be a great leader, be a great leader, be a great leader. Sure, like John C. Maxwell is an amazing guy who has written many, many books that have been very impactful for the church, for pastors, and for business leaders. Just because leadership books started to sell well does not mean leadership is all that matters now. And like, Jesus, how is he the one of the greatest, how, like, how is he the greatest leader to walk in some ways, if you want to use that language by not caring about being a leader, right? Like he just served, right? And he went and he worked and he did what he needed to do. And he cared for the person. He paused. We needed to pause. Like, dude, there's just so many people that are leaders within church who it's just like, oh, I'm really sorry that you were inconvenienced with something beneath you. Like, I'm sorry you were asked to do something that you thought you would like outgrown. Right. And it's just like, no, like you are called to be a, a servant. You are called to serve. You're called to like lay things down. And yes, we need a Sabbath. Yes, we need to rest. So do not hear this as like a plea of like, so we all need to just grind it out and work harder and all that stuff. But it is an amount of like, just be a part of the community. Right. I was talking to somebody the other day about this. Like they were, they were talking about different work models. And um, I think for a lot of people, when they think of church, they think through work models and different business models. Like Parker, like, like let's say if you told me that your job was having you do like a bunch of 10 hour shifts and you weren't getting like any raise and you got no vacation, you got no days off, all this stuff. I'd be like, that's a bad job. Like right. you need to get something that's going to get you balanced, right? Or you need to get something that's going to be a better rhythm even or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And this person was basically trying to say, well, like within church work, how do we make that happen then? How do we find that rhythm within it? And I just said, I was like, well, I think if you view it right, it's not about being a job. It's about being your community and your family and your people that you're doing life with. And if pastors are willing to stop looking at it as career advancement moves, it's a lot easier because you look at it and you just say, I am here until the Lord says to move. And if he tells me to move, the people that I'm so attached with will not be hurt because he will make sure that they realize it just as well. Why? Because they will be some of the very people that hopefully he is using to speak that over my life. Right. Like that's the aspect of it 
that I think we've kind of lost maybe a little bit of our framework for where it's like, what if you just so much are wanting to serve and honor God, not climb a ladder that he is going to open doors and close doors and people will look and say that totally makes sense. Why? Cause they actually know you mm-hmm. like I hate the youth pastor model of youth pastors that look and say, I need to have like an arm's length distance from the kids or I need to have an arm's length distance. And they're like, and it's like, why? And it's like, well, because you know, I, I'm the youth pastor and I don't want it to be about me and I don't want it to be all these things. And I'm like, yeah, it's for sure not about you. Don't make it about you. But that doesn't mean you can't have relationship. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have people that you're being close with, right? That doesn't yeah. mean you shouldn't have- That almost makes it more about you. Exactly. Because like you end up having it where you're just this person high up here right. that they're just following. Right. They're showing up to hear the speaker talk every week. Like this is the – like it's so funny to me because I'll talk to people about this at like True Life and stuff or I'll talk to other youth pastors about other youth ministries and things like that. And This is not a knock on other youth ministries but like we're just in this really sweet season I think of being really close and like the students – like know me and Sierra, obviously the leaders know us, like we know them, like we're literally just this community who's doing life together. So like I'll have youth pastors talk about how they have people who are so distracting during their messages, right? They're like, I just got these kids. They just won't listen, all these things. And like, it's so funny because I was thinking about, I was like, well, we don't really have that as much. Now, granted, I'm going to say that. And then this Wednesday, we're going to have somebody be crazy distracting or something like that. But, um, a reason why I don't think we have it is because our students are in on the joke. Like they're in on the thing. Like the moment that they start to do something that might distract me, it's because they're trying to be funny. And because honestly, then I respond to it and I'm like, oh, hey, like I see, or like I'll like call out something or things like that. I'm not even calling it out and they know I'm not doing to be mean. I'm just like, oh, what was that? And then like, it doesn't matter because we're not taking this so serious that now I'm mad at you because my public speaking got interrupted. Right. It's more so like, hey, everybody. You're not taking yourself too seriously. Exactly. And I want to say also, this is not me saying I'm now like, hey, really quick. We're talking about people to follow. Look, I do everything. I don't. I have a lot of stuff I got to figure out still. I have a lot of stuff that I'm trying to. But again, I think that when you look at it through that lens of I'm just trying to do what I'm supposed to do. Like I'm doing what the Lord has asked me to do for this community. And I want to help push others to do what he's called them to do. And that doesn't mean that everyone has to end up speaking. It does not mean everybody has to end up on worship. It does not mean that everybody has to end up doing. Honestly, for some people, all it means is they need to show up and be built up. Yeah. And be the person that's willing to say, hey, how's it be going? Be willing to serve. And find, yeah, and find their spot. Right. Like, yeah. I am a firm believer of like power vacuums within communities that when one person leaves a role, you're going to see somebody fill that spot and a new gift will rise up out of them. Like, that doesn't have to be forced though. That can just naturally take place. Yeah. As long as you've created a culture where that can naturally take place. That was a very long answer. Yeah. 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 No, totally. Oh, I think that like I agree with you and pretty much everything you said. Like, I think I, I, I always like, this is coming out, and I know it's kind of separate to what we started talking off with, but uh, talking about, but you know, you know, this is where we're at. Yeah. So, uh, no, but uh, I always like I, I've noticed in me sometimes, not really right now, but other times where like I haven't really felt like I'm like quote unquote progressing, yeah, towards like a quote unquote leadership role, and it's like does that mean I'm not doing good? Mm. You know what I mean? 
And it, but then it's like, no, that's not what that means. And I yeah. just kind of have to shut that down in my head. But like, because that was there, that means it's a thing. You yeah. know what I mean? And like, and you know, other people must think it at some point, but like, especially if there's somebody who puts a lot of work in and puts, you know, a lot of serving hours and yeah. stuff like that. But like, yeah, I, I think that we as church, we, I don't want to say overvalue leadership because that doesn't make like, obviously leadership is super valuable. Like, and people in roles of leadership are super valuable and people who, you know, who preach and quote unquote lead the flock are, that's obviously a super important role, but it's not the end all be all for people. And it's not, you know, it's, it's not what God called everybody to, and it's not the gift that God has given everybody. So yeah. instead of like trying to eventually get people into that leadership role, like what you said, like, uh, you know, I think what you said about, um, uh, I'm going to butcher how you phrased it now, but like, you don't necessarily want somebody who's not suited to your niche in the church mm-hmm. to try to fill that niche. That And that sounds weird, but like... Uh, like we all have our place though. Like yeah. I was thinking about my, uh, my work situation right now. I'm, uh, currently I've moved more towards a, a sales type role, business development type role. Um, and doing a lot of, uh, stuff that my boss was doing, uh, last, uh, year. Um, and a lot of busy work and a lot of phone calls and a lot of writing up orders and not to get too in the nitty gritty of it. But I had a conversation with him and I was like, Hey man, you know, what do you think? Like where realistically once everything's up and running, how do you want my role to look like within this whole thing? And he was like trying to sugarcoat it at first, but he was, and eventually I was like, so is this what you're saying? And he, he was basically saying like, I'm I'm basically wanting you to take all of the busy work and annoying little orders so that I can pursue the big dollar orders. Yeah. You know, which he thought that sounded bad about. I was totally cool with that because I recognize that, hey, I can fill this role and it yeah. means us as a group. We'll do better. We'll do better as a branch. And so like I, I can do this. That's a, that doesn't bug me. But and that's what I'm going to be doing best for right now in this, you know, in our organization. So like, uh, you know, when it comes to the church and everything like that, like it, we're not all going to end up in a leadership role. Does that mean that we don't have our place? No. Like, obviously we do, but it's a matter of, I, I think we should focus more on, you know, skill development and well, not skill development, well, yeah, so, yeah, skill development, but also, you know, discipleship and finding your gifts. Totally. Well, it's like for church, you guys talk about leadership or all that. Like, what if just everybody showed up expectant, like real church word? What if everyone actually showed up expectant that God could speak to them that Sunday and do something amazing? Right. That'd be the best leadership you can bring to the table because that would help set such a precedent of people just being ready and expecting to see something happen and it what's going to come a culture out of that. at that point. Yes. But like, if you're just worried about climbing the serving ladder, right. 
you're not, you're going to be like, well, I am here to serve and to be the best servant, which again, if you are gifted in an area, serve within that area. But what should you be coming to the table for? If you're like, I have nothing to bring to the table right now, just be expectant that God could speak. Right. Like help speak that faith to other people, help be a voice for that. Right. And like, just see what God can do in the midst of that. And like, that's where, you know, even going all the way, kind of looping back to why do we follow the people we follow or that sort of a thing? Like, man, like they need to demonstrate that. They need to demonstrate a desire, especially their pastor, a desire for God to speak, for God to move, for God to say something new, for God to be willing to actually like move within their community and that sort of a thing. And like, it might be messy. It might be like a little bit odd sometimes, but guess what? Like you're just looking and saying, God, what do you want to do right now? Mm-hmm. And in general, then it's also for people just to be willing as leaders to see things, I would say, go in whatever direction they need to go. That'd be the way I would word it. So whether it's that it needs to stay the same or it needs to change, that they are bold enough and willing to acknowledge this is what has to happen for this season. Let's see it happen. Um, you know, like an example for myself uh, would be like within True Life, like we've been talking through a bunch of different topics and basically when we plan out stuff, I always try to like take it one extra step further than the last time maybe that we've talked on that similar topic, right? And we're getting to a spot now with some of the things we're going to be talking about where I'm just like, we are starting to finally get to the conversations that I would have loved to have us to have been having two years ago. But it's taken three to four years to have the initial conversations so that now we're ready for like the full in ones because all that groundwork was laid. Now, here's the thing for most youth pastors and most pastors. They don't stay long enough to see that actually happen. And it might be like two years isn't that long. Two years is a long time for most youth pastors. 18 months, I think, is the average youth pastor pastorate in America. Wow, it's a little wait. bit of an old stat, stat, but I doubt it's gone up, if anything. Um, but again, it's just one of those things where it's like, who do you choose to follow? Somebody who's willing to have... I think that long vision who's willing to look and say, what's going to happen down, down the pike. What do we got to have happen? But like, what are you willing to do to have that take place? And not everybody has vision for that. And that's fine. That's okay. But be willing then to look for somebody who does Mm -hmm. like there's pastors who might be amazing teachers. Maybe they shouldn't be the one though, helping make plans for campuses and building and missions and stuff like that. That might not be their gifting. So who are you helping equip within your community to do that who right. has that gifting? Right. And maybe you are. Maybe you're somebody that's like, hey, I can wear five hats and do great at it. That's awesome. Not everyone has to be you. And like also for people who are – and this is the hard thing and the harsh thing maybe to say. For those who are not gifted in those areas, stop trying to be. Like stop looking at who you were created to be. And the person God has called you to be and who God loves dearly and saying, I will be enough when I look like so-and-so, when I act like so-and-so, when I lead like so-and-so, God just might want you to desire him. And maybe you end up seeing the result you always wanted anyways, but it comes from that place, right? And so, yeah, man, I think, sorry, I'm just, I'm, I'm verbally processing a bit. You know, one other thing I will say about leaders, specifically pastors we choose to follow, dude, I think that the way it starts matters. Now, what I mean by relationship with them or what that, yes, even their ministry in general, though, 
Like, I think the way that people's ministry in general starts matters. I think the way they've chosen to lead through maybe core things matters. Um, because I think it shows character in the long run, unless there's a very like line of demarcation of like, this is now where a major shift has happened. If you end up having somebody who is willing in one space and place to leave for like fickle, whatever reasons, um, you know, let's just say there is just somebody who's in a pastoral role and they're just like, I'm just going to up and go. Cause I want to, I got a better offer down the road. It's just like, okay, is it just a job to you? I don't want to follow you then. Like for somebody that's willing to look and to say, no, like I am here because I believe God has called me to this community of people. Not, this is actually like even a, a nuance to it, not to help save the people of this town or something like that. Why? That's a still arm away thing. Like I'm just traveling through. You might be somebody who's gifted in that way to be like an evangelist or something like that. That's awesome. But you're not necessarily a pastor of a flock then. You're just there to gather bodies. Are you willing to be a part of the community? Because again, I will hear from the person that wants to help just speak to see people say, I'll listen to them. And like God will speak to them. That's an amazing gifting. But I want to be led day in, day out by somebody who looks and says, I, as a shepherd, want to smell like the sheep. Like that's not like... (laughs) That's not like a new saying or anything like that, but it's the idea like a shepherd smells like their sheep. And again, ultimately there's all this nuance crap we do where it's just like, well, no, but Jesus is the ultimate shepherd. But yeah, but he also like Paul was really important. Paul was really important and Paul was not Jesus. Paul is an imitatable human being who God gifted in a certain way to help reach a lot of people, but he was like the people he served. Paul, fun fact Paul, who was a Pharisee, who then goes and sits under the disciples' teaching for years before his public ministry. Like, again, I just have these moments. I think about it for pastors and why why do we have an issue in pastorates? And why do we have an issue of people not actually caring for their communities? Why do some pastors just pursue after retirement and what's best for them? Why do some pastors leave to go be whatever, because it's going to make them more money. Again, God might call them. I think there's some people who stepped into ministry that never should have been because they had youth pastors who got really excited that a kid could talk from a stage and they said, you're called to be a pastor. I think there's a lot of people who have stepped out of ministry who probably needed to, and that's not a knock on them. It's just that they might not have ever actually been called to it. They just might've had an eager 20 year old speak over them. Um, so that's a, that was a ranting tangent, but I do think there's a reality. We look at the life of like Paul. Okay. Again, one of the most educated of the educated. We end up looking at the disciples and we end up saying, oh, well, they're just fishermen. Most of those just fishermen were still a lot smarter about the Bible than any of us are. They had like giant swaths of the Torah memorized. Yeah, like there's still these young Jewish boys who just would have known and been around and they're going through all these things. Like they had a depth. They also walked with Jesus. Like whenever it's like, whenever people are like, well, they were just a bunch of fishermen. Yeah, but then they did life with Jesus for three and a half years. God on earth. Like, you want to look at like the best college education you could ever get. It's probably walking hand in hand with Jesus. So again, this is this is why I'm saying all of this. Pastors who are unwilling to be trained to step into their calling miss the point of how people were prepared to step into theirs. Like, God called, like, if we even want to go to Old Testament, David is anointed king. And then waits to become king. He goes, he is hunted by the previous king before he becomes king. Like, 
you have all of these different moments that you can look at different people and different folks who go through a time of training, who go through a time of being built up, and then they're sent out. Timothy tours around with Paul, sent out to be a pastor. Titus tours around with Paul, goes out to be a pastor. John Mark, like John Mark goes around, all these things, goes out. Like that training period, that education period in some ways then matters. Like I get very concerned when there's youth pastors that if you bring up something that is even like just like an ounce of water deep in the Bible that is met with such skepticism and insecurity that it's just like, how do you think you could preach the word right now? It's not to say that God has not called you to preach the word. It is not that God has not used you to speak the word and their lives have been changed because of his spirit moving. But it's just saying like, do you realize how much more he has for you? And that he has more he wants to build up within you, in your knowledge, in your understanding, all of those things. That was a very long tangent and rant about this. But it matters that we actually take serious what it looks like to be prepared as a leader. Because you want to talk about why the church has so many legal issues right now. You want to talk about why the church has so many people who have been placed in scenarios with people that they never should have been placed within. It's because we looked and we said they're a really good, talented leader, but we don't know if they have any character. You know what develops character? Looking at somebody and saying, hey, spend six years learning this stuff and then you can finally teach it. Like that's not to say again that that's the path you have to take. But if somebody was to look, let's say say we were part of a denomination where they did look and say, you have to have done this. And somebody looks and they say, that's too much for me. You better have heard from God on that. Because if you're not willing to submit to being built up, then why do you think you could go build other people up? Mm-hmm. That That's my rant. That's my tangent. And I will say I can say easily because I'm somebody who's gone down that path and stuff. So that's a partly where it's a privileged position to speak from. But Yeah. I think that's a good place to park it. Nice. After a little rant and tangent. <laughs> um, everybody, we want to say thanks for jumping on. Man, if you are looking for leaders and pastors to follow, don't hear this and be cynical about it. There are a lot of awesome pastors, a lot of amazing people out there to follow. Uh, yeah, go and find somebody of character, of integrity, somebody who's accountable to others, somebody who you look at and you're just like, man, I could do life with that person, that kind of a thing. And see what God will do as you then step out to be the part of the body of Christ you've been called to be. We appreciate you guys jumping on, checking this episode out as always. Make sure to leave a rating or review, share it with a friend if you want to, all those good things. We love and appreciate you guys. My name's Caleb. My name's Parker. And we will see you next time. See ya.